to the 18th episode of Everyday Channel. I had no idea we would actually make it this far, but here we are. And for, well, it's not this especially the 100th episode, but for this special episode, Everyday Eternal episode is a special episode, we got my co-host, Caleb Whitefacer-Smith from the UK. How's it going, everyone? Welcome. Good to be back again. And as a special co-host from the US East Coast, one, I want to say, <laughs> the creator of one of the most interesting decks on Magic Online right now, Kyle Moran. Hey, Kyle, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How's it going? Thanks for coming on the cast. Uh, I already introduced you as the creator of one of the most interesting decks, and we'll touch on that a little bit later on. But first of all, tell us something about yourself. Uh, how are you doing? How did you get into Magic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I got you. So, yeah, no, I started Magic. I've been playing Magic. Honestly, it's nice because I don't I don't ever remember the amount of time, but I know I exactly started right around Return to Ravnica came out. So it was like nine years, eight years, something like that. So I've been, you know, compared to a lot of these legacy folks, actually not that long, but still a pretty long time. So I started playing in my local game store around that time, played, you know, did the whole local game store thing. And then eventually I started getting good enough that I, to I top eight at GP New Jersey. It was in 2017, I believe. And that kind of started, like, like kind of lit the fuel under my fire to start playing Magic way more competitively and kind of trying to win tournaments and all that stuff. I got crushed. I got crushed in the Pro Tour, but it was still a lot of fun. And then, yeah, so, like, and then from there, I kind of, I've been on Boston. So I go to college at Tufts, so I'm a local Boston grinder. I'm sure many people in that area know my know me, either by my name or my face. And, yeah, and then I kind of got back on the Pro Tour, around Pro Tour Eldrain, where I came in 36th. And then after that, everything kind of hit, and <laughs> not, no more Pro Magic. So, yeah, no, we kind of, we're playing online now, and thought I'd take up streaming. So... My friend did it. My friend started. I, there's a whole story of how my friend started World Gorger, the whole World Gorger thing. But I started doing it a couple months ago, and it's been a lot of fun. We've gotten got a lot of press. So yeah, no, I'm happy to be here. Okay, that there must have been some kind of misunderstanding. I was told that we would have the most resident World Gorger Dragon Master on on this cast, but yes. now that I hear about you, you, you've actually been like really successful. You've <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're much more than the meme. Yeah, no, exactly. No, I've been playing competitive Magic for like. Yeah, a long, long time. Like, just when you're just around people like that, it just, you kind of get more and more success. And that's what I've been able to do once I got into college. So, yeah. What was the GP top, uh, GP you top eighted? What format was that? It was standard. It, insane okay. story behind it. So, my friend, on Thursday, the, before the GP, it was back when Sahili Copycat was legal for some reason. Right, I remember that one. Yeah. And it was, and it was like Thursday. And my friend's like, yo, Kyle, want to go to a GP? And I'm like, yeah, I don't even have a deck, so I don't think I'm going to go. He's like, well, you can borrow my copycat deck. And I'm like, all right, word, let's do it. So we show up at Friday at like 6 o'clock, like five minutes before the last last chance trial happens. I play in it. I win it. Get my two buys. So I didn't have two buys back then. Or I guess buys aren't a thing anymore. But back when they were, then I went in and just went 13-2 and two and beat Oliver to you in the last round. You flayed me on Twitter for having a game day champion play mat, So <laughs> I think I should remember that. Being yeah, a thing. yeah, That's that awesome. was me. <laughs> nice, nice. That's something to be proud of. But oh, yeah. Still the player. Yeah, I'm a Games Day champion. Mm -hmm. Own it. Cool. I didn't know that about you. That's really cool. So, like, you're just transferring your insane skills to a deck of in Legacy of, like, equal power level, right? 
Yeah, no, I remember what my friend first told me about it. He's like, yeah, Kyle, so there's this combo deck in Legacy where you get to cast Entomb, and you put this six-drop dragon in your graveyard, then you cast Animate Dead on it, and it flickers everything that you have. <laughs> and I'm like, that sounds kind of cool. And he's like, yeah, but it's kind of bad because you have to use it with, like, Baleful Strix and stuff. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Isn't there this card called Arkham's Astrolabe that's legal? It's pretty good. We should try mm-hmm. that one. <laughs> I find it hilarious that your friend would introduce you to Legacy by bringing up Dragon of all the possible decks. Yeah, which no, he, for, yeah. If you ask me, I, I came into Legacy like as an active player in 2006-7. I, I was like looking into it in 2005. And ever since, I've known Dragon to basically be a meme deck, right? For the potential to draw the game and sometimes cause these really weird results like 105 or something. And mm. now your friend comes there and he's like, you, you know what you should be doing, Kyle? you should be casting World Gotcha Dragon, or rather, Animate Deading it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Was that your like, actual first exposure to Legacy? It, it, it was not my first. I had like dipped my toe in, so I was like a Miracles and Snowco player before Uro came out, before that. And I just, I didn't really like the decks. That, I like, they were fun. They were definitely fun. But I'm like, I kept losing to these unfair strategies because like, how am I supposed to, like, even if I like can stop their initial onslaught, they could usually like cobble together a combo. And I'm just like, I can't, it's so hard to win. But what I love about World Gorge Dragon is you can just slam the door shut on people. It's like, okay, we're done playing here. It's over. Like, like the Storm player's trying to, like, sculpt this perfect grip with Ponders and Brainstorms. I'm just like, all right, you're dead. Like, no more. We're done here. <laughs> really, really appreciate that approach. Like, I, it, it, I know exactly what you mean, right? We, we talked about this on the cast before, that especially, for example, blue-green combo decks like Omnitile or something, they got a really good matchup against all these mid-range controllers snow codex just because they, they have an issue closing the game uh, after all uro isn't that fast especially mm-hmm. in the first game when, when you have a ton of useless cards in your hand so i i totally see where you're coming from this is exactly what i want to have in a deck as well right I, I want to have play like actual magic but i also want to always have the option to do something unfair and at least for me that reflects in almost all the decks i ever played in legacy so you you're catching my interest with this work gotcha dragon deck yeah <laughs> Caleb, have, have you played work gotcha dragon before me, I played the old, old versions, which were really bad. <laughs> so that's as far as my exposure goes. This is like before um, Astrolabe, of course, and before you could really build it into a mid-range thing. So it was like, but I didn't play it before Grizzlebrand came out. So it was always just like, um, well, this is after it was unbanned, of course, as well. So I kind of built it a few times for the local game store and I was putting it together. I was like, this is so sad to say, but why don't you just have Grizzlebrand? Like, it's just better when you're trying to do that kind of thing. But your approach actually makes it way more legit because you are like a, you are a snow deck, almost first and foremost. But you just have this splinter twin. I hate to use that term, but people understand it. Like just you can just end the game as you're saying really fast. Like you can you do combo kill in turn two fairly often. Or is turn three, you, you, it's not very hard. It's it's more often turn three because turn three you can put some interaction in there. But turn yeah. two is very easy to do as well. Yeah, I guess all you need is the um the entomb and then the animate dead and then you can flash in strix i guess yeah so for anyone that doesn't know why don't you explain the combo yeah yeah of course so it's a little little like once you get it it's pretty easy but like when you're first seen in an action you're just like what in the world is going on it like, is pretty legit. crazy especially on magic yeah. online you have these things going everywhere it's yeah literally in my top eight match the guy i played against he 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 messaged me later and he was like yeah i had no idea what was going on until you killed me with this combo. <laughs> so people still don't know what's going on. So essentially the way the combo works is 
Well, you first by start by casting Entomb, which searches your library for a card, and you get to put it into your graveyard for one mana. So the card you get is World Gorger Dragon, and then you cast Animate Dead on your World Gorger Dragon, which then triggers a chain of events where the the dragon will enter the battlefield, Animate Dead Enchanted on it, which triggers the ETB of World Gorger Dragon to exile all of your permanents. And then once this happens, one with the Animate Dead being exiled under the World Gorger Dragon, it causes the dragon to be sacrificed due to animated, Animate Dead's triggered ability, which then in turn, once the dragon dies, triggers the dragon's leap, or is it, the, I don't even know if it's, I think it's a leaves the battlefield ability. I don't even know if it's leaves the battlefield or dies. I'm pretty sure it's leaves the battlefield though. Yeah. And so when the dragon leaves the battlefield, all your permanents come back. So all your stuff comes back, including the Animate Dead, which you can then reattach to World Gorger Dragon to rinse and repeat. And the net result of this loot is it allows all, it makes all your lands come back into play untapped, essentially generating infinite mana. But it also, if you have a permanent such as an Arkham Astrolabe or an Ice Fang Codal or a Teferi Master of Time in play, you get to draw through your entire deck and then win in one of the many assorted ways that I have won with over the months I've been playing this deck. Yeah, I think I've seen you play a lot of different win conditions, and it's, I guess there's a reason for each one to be better or worse than each other. Yeah, but, it, but just it is. to give an idea how far the deck has actually come, from when I remember the deck, the deck was played in Vintage and in a Bazaar of, uh, not Bazaar of Mox, in Bazaar of Baghdad deck, where you discard the dragon, then animate dead it, and the payoff card here was, like, <laughs> I don't even know how people arrived at that, but it was Ambassador Lakutus, which is a 3 mana 1 3, and for 3 colorless mana, it mills any player for. I don't even know three cards. I guess. <laughs> I guess. I guess so, the payoff being a creature is pretty important because you'll, especially if, or with that one, it makes sense because with bizarre flickering in and out, you'll mill your whole library, and then you can animate dead on the last one with infinite mana and ambassador Lakotas, the animate. Oh dead yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you would draw the game, right? So, so you need, yes. you would need some other target. Yeah, and, yeah. and like from there, what I wanted to showcase is like the big improvement that people had were like, oh my god, now the deck maybe it's going to be better was Una, Queen of the Fae, which I don't even know, <laughs> it's basically the same card, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that, that that's the dragon I knew for over a decade. And can, can you also like quickly touch on how you actually draw the game? Because that's also something you can do with the deck. Like if you're in a really bad spot and you don't have means to actually like draw your entire deck or kill yes. your opponent... That yes, doesn't to do that. To be yeah, clear, this is only a thing you can do in real life. For Magic Online, you're just going to time out. Yep, yep. That's. <laughs> I was actually going to start with that point. That's yeah. a very important point to make. Yeah, you cannot draw in Magic Online. Your chess yeah. clock will burn you out, even in scenarios where you should be able to draw, because Moto does have a limited draw function. The fact that you have to target World Order each time with Anime Dead burns your chess clock, so it doesn't work. But I've, had, I've had a friend send me a screenshot of someone trying to draw the game and messaging and chat saying hey why is it not working why are we not drawing <laughs> but yeah yep. go ahead yes but when you're in paper in like you know the real world whenever that happens again it's the way you draw with the world Gold dragon so the way the cards are worded is if there is no other target besides world gorger dragon either graveyard for animate dead none of the triggers are optional so all you have to do in order to draw the game is Animate Dead, World Gorgeous Dragon, with no other creatures in the graveyard. You are complete, even though it's a little bit like, not, I don't know if moral gray area is the right the right way to say it, but even though it's a little sus, you can do whatever you want to facilitate this. Like, let's say there's a creature in your opponent's graveyard and you exile it with like a Cling to Dust, which is a card we play. And then you cast World Gorgeous to draw. That's completely fine. Because the reason it's not, it, it leads to a draw is because none of the triggers are optional. So you can't. You have no way of actually stopping yourself once you've started, if that makes sense. 
and then you just kind of blink forever and no one can do anything and that's a draw yeah there's just nothing you can do like sorry opponent i I didn't know this would happen yeah uh, (laughs) also important to note if cards are in your hand that could stop it you are not required to play them so i didn't know that so if so if you do that and you have an entomb in your hand you're not required to play it yep you are not okay the only thing you're required to do is like to make a decision for the card that actually matters, which would be like animate that. Like they, the the game would ask you to eventually like if if whenever there's an infinite cycle, right? The player who who controls that that the anyway any part of that cycle is asked to make the decision that progresses the game eventually. So if there's another creature, you will eventually be asked to to target that. But it, it's not like it's gonna make you cast something from your hand, especially not like something that is hidden information. Or, or go beyond that. It's really only the single decision that that you can influence, which is the target of the the animate dead. So yeah, it, it, it's a weird thing. The deck I, I can't even say has gotten a bad reputation because of that over the years. It's it's more like a meme reputation, and I, I really <laughs> like how how you've been cultivating that meme. Are, are you actually the guy who who's behind all those memes? Because over the last two or three weeks, uh, all over social media, I've seen so many dragon memes. Yeah, no, I, I have made most of those memes. A few of them are have been generated by our greater Discord community, which they're all great. Wait, you, you have a dragon Discord? Sorry to interrupt oh, you. Oh, we have a large dragon Discord. It's actually, there's over, two, it's almost, we're reaching 250 members now, so it is pretty big. Oh, yeah, I'm in there, and there is a dedicated meme channel. It's, yep, but yeah. a lot of them are made by me. <laughs> I like to say I have the best memes, but obviously that's subjective, so, you know. Every, everyone says that, but uh, yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah, Julian, uh, we'll, we'll, we can link the uh, Discord in the show notes. Oh, we're yeah. definitely. So it, it, it's open to anyone. I guess yeah, if you could Caleb in there, you got pretty low standards anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, like I'm the moderator there, so don't cross me or I'll ban you. But, you know, any, anyone's allowed to come. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. So uh, to go a little bit deeper into the deck, if I, if I look at the deck, it's almost like it's more like a snow shell almost. So we, we for, for people listening right now, uh, the, the core of the deck is the, you got your blue cantrips, you got ponder, you got preorder. No, no, you don't have ponder. You got ponder, you got brainstorm. You got forces, astrolabe, ice vancodal, two Uros, and beyond that, you got three thoughtsies for protection, two abrupt decay, two drown in the lock, and then the combo of four animate dead, four entomb, one dragon, I would think, yeah, and mm-hmm. one dusk mantle guild mage and two teferi master of time. So let, let's talk about dusk mantle guild mage uh, first of all. It's the one that's from the top of my head. It basically also mills the opponent for a certain number of mana, right? So Sort of, yes. Well, the actual way you use the kill with it is you activate the first ability five times, which means whenever a car would enter your opponent's graveyard from anywhere, they lose five life since you activate it five times. And then you mill them for four, so they take 20. So that's the, uh, the oh, way. Oh, okay, okay. That is the so, kill. So the re- oh, sorry, yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I was just saying the reason we play Dustmantle Guild Mage right now is is one of the fastest ways to kill on Moto, which is really important because this deck takes a lot of time to play. So we want to minimize the amount of time we actually spend comboing because you not only can you get it within Tomb because it's a creature, but it also takes the least amount of mana to kill out of most other win conditions. So you can find it quickly, you can use it quickly. And it's not, also it pitches the force of will, which is really big, because you don't need the combo to win the game. If you just draw your deck and put Uro in the play, that's probably good enough most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually sad. <laughs> that, that is uh, a really but, strong point to the deck, though. Like These combo decks that have, if if some little thing of your combo is disrupted, you can still, like, oh, what's another example of like drawing your whole deck? 
I'm just blanking on a combo deck I'm thinking of where it draws the deck and like, okay, so so I think Veil of Summer stops Dust Metal Guildmage as well. It like, does. Yeah, but as you say, you can just draw into four forces and three blue cards or something and make an Uro and yeah, I can totally see like you can just combo and not have to kill them that immediate turn. Yeah, in paper, we, we've been, the, the win condition of choice has been a hot debate for, I think, about as long as the deck, this version of the deck's been around. And Dust Metal Guildmage is kind of the next iteration in this. The old win condition, or actually the, the last win condition, I should say, that we used was Fae of Wishes, because Fae of Wishes was able to go grab Torment of Hailfire and our sideboard, which actually got around Veil of Summer. And also, Fae of Wishes was a very good card. But the reason I swapped out Fae of Wishes for Dust Mantle Guild Mage was because I really wanted that 15 sideboard spot back. So our sideboard is so important to what we're trying to do here. You need, I, at least I feel, you need all 15 slots or you really want them. It's really tough to go down. I love when when someone's so deeply entrenched in a deck that they really understand every single sideboard slot to the extent of where they're like, I, I can't afford this one. So that's really cool to hear. Yeah. If you are... Uh, if you had no restrictions on time for Magic Online, what would be the absolute best win condition? Ugh, that is, if, if we, you know. We've talked about that so much. <laughs> there's there's so many options. I Honestly, I, could, okay. I couldn't tell you. But there's like, Thassa's Oracle is one we've considered because it's actually pretty good and it's like definitely better than Dust Mantle Guild Mage. And, but that one requires card draw. Then there's also some some of them like, Stroke of Genius was one that was was we played for the longest time, but that one took basically a year to use, and it was also kind of awkward with the fact that it wasn't a creature. But I guess when you it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. I, I wished I could tell you, I really do. No, but... fair enough. <laughs> they all seem to have this little tiny problem, like Stroke gets veiled as well. Uh, mm-hmm. It isn't a creature. Yeah, yeah. Oracle, I could see being a slightly worse card so, than Dust Mantle. Uh-huh. Yeah. So here's something I'm wondering right now. You say Dust Mantle Good Mage gets stopped by Veil, right? Um, mm. isn't there like a scenario where you get Dusk Metal Guild Mage and you any like you use the first ability, I don't know, 20 times, and then yeah. you animate dead one of their creatures, and then you abrupt decay your own animate dead, and then a card goes to their graveyard? Isn't that how it works? Yeah, that's oh, how that's it works. Cool. Man, that's actually pretty cool. I actually didn't think of that, but that's absolutely how it works. <laughs> Damn, the plays, the plays. <laughs> the big All brain. Right. Cool. I've got I've got a pea brain here. Thinking yeah. just one-dimensional. <laughs> cool so dust metal gilmage is completely broken what about Absolutely. fairy master of time <laughs> also completely broken better than <laughs> anything you could possibly play ever but yeah yeah i'll love it in more serious notes so the fairy master of time that's the card that has definitely gotten the most i'm not going to say flack because people love it but they're like why are you playing this card i get it almost like all the time it's like why are you playing fairy master of time like why don't you just play jace the mind sculptor and i'm like so what teferi does a little bit differently than any other top end because those two slots that Teferi Master of Time occupied have always been our two top end spots. We've either had like, we had Jace the Mind Sculptor, we've had Narset, we've had Oko, but just having something a little bit more on the top end has always been there. But the reason that I've really liked Teferi Master of Time in this spot is it kind of gets to play the middle ground where it does, it doesn't do any one job incredibly well, but it's able to do all the jobs I want for all my top end. So what I mean by that is Narset might be really good at digging through your deck and maybe locking your opponent out. But when you're really behind on board, it's like really embarrassing. And then Noko's really good at generating threats, but the problem is sometimes that's just completely irrelevant when to, when you're actually trying to combo. And but Teferi can not only can it dig you through your deck to find you what you need, like discard useless arrows or dragons or thought seizes that have gone kind of bad because the game's at turn ten at this point, or force a will so you don't have an extra blue card. 
but it also can be used to protect you with the phase-out ability, which is a lot more relevant than I think people kind of think when they first see it. It, it cause like, not only cause like, there's like obviously the obviously great point where you can get something like Merit Lage, but even against Delver, just being able to take out the Hooting Mandrills at one point, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just, it's really good. And it also obviously like any other Planeswalker will run away with the game if left uncontested for one to two turns. So that's nice too. And it goes off with Dragon, which is a good meme, but less, less so that and more so the other stuff I said. Oh, because you can activate it at instant speed, right? Oh, that's actually yeah. so cute. That, oh that my was my God. first realization was, okay, wow, it's a top end that goes off with Dragon. But yeah, I can quickly see that it's just actually a pretty decent card. And then the combo with Dragon is not super relevant, but yeah. Yeah, it, come, it comes up it very comes up. rarely, but yeah. not never. Awesome. So is it something you're happy about or, or are you also currently exploring other options for the four mana slot? It's actually funny because I think both, I think I can, I can say both those things where I've been very happy. Like in the games I've been playing with it, it's been very good. But at the same time, I... I do want to, you always want to like, as the meta shifts and as things change, you definitely always want to keep exploring stuff like nothing's set in stone. That's one of like the biggest deck building, deck building philosophies that I have, where you don't want to ever get kind of too stuck in your own ways. If something's not working, you got to swap it out. So it's been good for now. But, you know, if Jace comes back and Jace is better, we can put Jace in. Okay, okay. Man, do, you, you get me exciting for this deck. I, like, every time we have guests, I mention how the, the guests get me to, to want to explore a deck. I was actually almost putting this together for, for a stream tonight to, to try it out before we get to the podcast. I didn't have enough time then. But this is this is something that's already loaded into my Magic Online. How often <laughs> do you get to take the two extra turns? The two extra... Usually, almost always, your my opponent is conceded before that's about to happen. Like, Makes it's sense. a Fairies hit seven loyalty. I almost certainly won that game. <laughs> <laughs> that's so mean of them yeah i, I know to, right i want you to be able to like one day hard cast dragon with astrolabes and then teferi take two extra turns and smack him with it <laughs> uh, sadly you can't take extra turns with dragon loose because it always comes back with three loyalty so it never gains loyalty you just get to keep looting with it so essentially it'll yeah. win you the game i mean like if you have teferi in play you ultimate it and then you cast dragon oh then i cast yeah. that is spicy that is spicy <laughs> Cool. I mean, this this seems great to me. Like the the real power of the deck is just that you can play this ultra fair game and you can grind so well. Like again, to reiterate, we have Arkham's Astrolabe to fix your mana. You have four Ice Fan Quartles. Then you have the Cantrips, the Thought Seizers. You have removal for Delver and stuff. Like this is just a snow deck against Delver. So mm. um, I mean, it's it's very rare for a combo deck to have this good of a Delver matchup. I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but do you think the matchup was pretty good? Yeah, no, absolutely. Actually, I would I would love to go more into the sideboarding that yeah. I do here because it's the sideboard. I think is one of the biggest strengths of the deck, just or just the way the deck is constructed. It's just it it just lets you get so many people. So like yeah, as you're saying, game one, you can play this fair game plan and then also just kind of randomly win, which is totally true. And it's all it also plays very well to my strengths because I love playing decks where you're just like doing stuff, doing stuff, doing stuff. Oh he oh you you put your shields down for a turn. Sorry. All right, guess we're done here. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's like, what the opponent did in the final game of the finals, right? When, when yeah, they tapped oh, out, even they, they, they punted the that so hard. Oh my god, they punted so hard. I, I don't know. I looked at their hand, saw a double abrupt decay. I'm like, there's no way we're gonna win. Then they tap out for Uro one turn. I'm like, okay. And then then I don't draw the black source because he wasteland my black source. So I'm like, okay, I guess we lose. Then he taps out for Oko, and I'm like, are you giving me another chance here? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was watching the stream while you were playing that final. And I was ch- I chatted to him afterwards, and he said he had an appointment to get to, so he was trying to play fast. 
yeah. I, I think, yeah. although you, you saw his hand, it's not clear that like you, you can't beat two decays. You could have like played a much longer oh. game very easily. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But he had Sylvan Library going at that point, so right. I think he could have just kept drawing cards and mm-hmm. probably just ended me. But yeah. we'll take it. We take those. But to <laughs> also to my point yeah. with the with the deck building, so you get to play this fair game. But in the sideboard. We've actually constructed the sideboard in a way that you can literally side out the entire combo in certain matchups, like Delver, as you said. So our plan against Delver is side out every single World Gorger Dragon piece, bring in the three Veil Summers, bring in the three Assassin's Trophy, bring in the Carpet of Flowers, bring in the and bring in the three Okos. I believe that's everything. Yeah, and the Fatal Push, and the Fatal mm-hmm. Push. So we bring in all those cards. So they have... I cannot tell you the amount of times that I will just bring in all my fair cards and then I thought sees my opponent and see their hand as like double surgical extraction or something. I'm just looking at my hand with Oko Thiva crowns and I'm just like, sorry, bud. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is such a powerful angle for a deck to have as well because they do need to respect the combo. Like, even, like I guess now you're giving away your secrets and they know to like never bring in graveyard hit against you. You can switch that up. Leave this yeah. damn stuff in. Like if you see them like not respect the combo game too, I guess you could like leave some in game three it just having this flexibility to make them respect something yeah it's definitely one of those like push pulls where if they like if they know i'm not doing it then i can just start doing it again so (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) are there any other matchups where you side out the full combo is this like a just delver thing or is it no no it's definitely not a just delver thing any match against oh yeah model white like those not or maybe it's sometimes like the color like those white based prisony taxi decks with that if the decks run thalia guardian of three bren you almost certainly want to side out the entire combo because not only is it really it's not like it's actually kind of feasible to force through the combo game one but the amount of like super situational graveyard hate that they bring in against you it's just not even worth it anymore like yeah. like i've had them bring in like rest in peace and i'm just like if i have combo in my deck this card's really hard to beat but if i don't have combo in my deck this card is literally a blank piece of cardboard so Let's make it a blank piece of cardboard and win more often. Oko is your combo card after sideboard. Yeah, no, Oko. <laughs> I don't know how that card made it past testing. It was really good. It was really good in Pro Tour Eldrain. It's really oh, yeah. good now. So, so allegedly, according to Wizards, they never considered that they could elk the opponent's creatures as well. But <laughs> that, that's the word on the street. I think they actually mentioned that in an article where they explained how Oko slipped through. Yeah, yeah, I'll believe it. <laughs> Uh, what about the snow matchup? Is that another place you take out all the dragon pieces or some? I can imagine this is a matchup where you want the combo, actually. Yeah, snow. so it's very interesting that snow, the snow regular snow control decks have changed so much kind of over even these last few weeks I've been playing. So when dragon, I think when we started first getting successes with dragon, it was actually because I built dragon in a way to metagame against the the back when Urian was legal in like its full power, I think right after Lurus was ba- yeah, it was right after Lurus was banned. Companions were still their normal, like you could just cast them from the companion zone or whatever. And I built the deck in a way that it would hate on the fact that Urian was playing an 80 card value pile and oh, here's a combo, you're not gonna be able to beat this because you're playing an 80 card value pile. So against those kinds of decks, you would never cut combo because their deck was far too inconsistent. But Snoko decks, have, especially after the Companion nerf, have been kind of adapting where if you look at some of the most recent Snoko lists, you'll see that they're on like seven different zero mana pitch counters, four copies of Abrupt Decay, and four copies of Source to Plowshares. So it kind of depends on how they build their 
their their snow deck is whether or not you side out the combo. You gotta be kind of a kind of be on top. You gotta be on top of that. Make sure you're paying good attention with your thought seizes. Like what? Make sure you take note of what cards you're seeing. If but you also have to be very careful because if they're too grindy and you go into your grind package, you can get kind of the the rug pulled out from under you. So you just kind of have to keep your wits about you when you're sideboarding against Snoko. That makes sense a lot. I guess one important point to make is as great as the combo is, it's like not very resource intensive and you can kind of end a turn the entomb and then you do have a lot of flexibility with it. It does get stopped by a source of plashes on the World Gorgia Dragon, World Gorgia Dragon or an Abrupt Decay on the uh, Animate Dead. And if they time it right, you lose all your permanents. So it's pretty oh, yeah. risky. So it is <laughs> a combo. Been that- there. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a ride or die kind of combo. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> you, know, you I mean, gotta gotta so, be ready sometimes. I guess it's a combo that does get disrupted by a lot of things, but yeah, but you you are a deck that plays a lot of disruption because I'm trying to like go through in my head of what kind of matchups you're weak to because you're saying you're good against Delver, which I can totally see. You are a Snoko deck. Uh, you beat the slower fair decks generally because you just have a, a combo when you need it or you can adapt to it and then against combo you yourself have a pretty fast combo and you have like thought seizes and force of wills and drown in the locks and stuff like i can see this having just really good matchups across the board but you just yeah. do have this small weakness of you know you, the combo can be stopped by a lot of different things yeah, there are a few kind of like weird niche matchups that aren't that good. Like you can have a hard time against was it? It's sneak. It's not show and it's not sneak and show. Sneak and show is actually good, but okay. show and tell because Veil of Summer is absurdly yeah. effective at stopping all of every single piece of disruption that you run. And I've tried to like make it different, but it's just it's just really hard to do. So so I'm like, it's not worth my time. But so that's the yeah. straight like blue green Omni Tell deck. I yeah, guess because they don't pass the turn to you really, so yeah. Mm-hmm, exactly. Also, Chalice of the Void decks can be very difficult because Chalice of the Void, if they resolve Chalice of the Void, you are you have answers. It's not that you don't, but it, it shuts down like a big portion of your deck, and you yeah. also can't go off with combo anymore if you hadn't entombed already. So Chalice of the Void decks, actually, I've actually that's what I've actually metagame or not metagame, but I've actually tuned the deck to make sure we have enough answers to chalice of the void because there was one league where i was trying out a four color dragon version because red elemental or like red blasts are very good for also protecting your combo but also being great and stuff but the problem i found with that was that you just get destroyed against chalice if you try doing that because not only are you bringing in these red blasts which do just nothing against them but the cards you're you're taking out to make room for more red blasts are the cards that are traditionally good against chalice so yeah you got to be very careful in those kinds of matchups yeah, that makes sense. Your sideboard looks fantastic against Chalice with the Okos, yeah. the trophies. But main deck, you have yeah these two decays, and then you have the the Force of Wills or Drown in the Lock if you're lucky to catch it. But mm-hmm. I've actually found a lot of the time we lose because people will try to choke us out my mana. Like I'll have the full combo assembled, my opponent just has a bunch of wastelands and Rishid imports, and I just can't cast it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Totally. So according to a secret document that was put into our hands it's called hooked on a feeding life living and the pursuit of dragon <laughs> I, I can't go into detail how we actually got that but according to that maverick for example is your most unfavored matchups right now is that true yeah so that's honest it's true it's true but it's honestly kind of a meme too because what makes maverick so good against us is they have a pretty fast like a relatively speaking fast clock they have a lot of very very efficient graveyard hate Knight of the Reliquary is absurdly hard to beat if they untap with it. 
And they also can have access to Veil of Summer in order to just like undo all of your interaction. So they can, and also, or they run Chalice of the Void, one or the other. So yeah, either way, those are both really bad. <laughs> so it's, yeah, my Ravik can be very, very bad for us. Also, they even have Caracas too. So our alternative plan of Uro just doesn't get there like most of the time. So yeah, no, Maverick can be tough. Okay, okay. So, but overall, you you looking at this. The, so, as we just talked about, the most played decks in the format right now, especially the non-combo variants, they look pretty good. And as, yeah, you you mentioned Reanimator. I guess Black Red Reanimator as as your most favorite matchup right now. <laughs> How often do you get to like see like Grizzlebrand or, or lock them out with I don't know anything? Oh, it's an it's so much fun to play the Reanimator matchup because no, that is our main plan. Our main plan is not going off with Little Gorge Gray. Our main plan is taking their Grizzlebrand. <laughs> I love, I love it is, so that's much. how often it happens this is so great because <laughs> you can literally you can easily not easily but fairly easily like you let the entomb or the faithless looting resolve or something and then you can all pretty easily stop them from reanimating it for one turn and then you just cast animate down their grizzle brand and the game is just over like it is just done <laughs> i want to see the look on their faces when when you did all this like snowco stuff and then all of a sudden, okay, their reanimation spell fails. They get, they think like, okay, I got like two more on hand, no problem. And then you untap and you like literally animate that deck with a brand. That's, oh, that yeah. must be one of the most unexpected things ever. Yeah, no, it's it's classic. I remember one game where I'm just like, I was on the play and I just go like, turn one, snow covered isle, and Arkham Dash for go. And they're like, turn one, looting, discard a grizzle brand. I'm just like, turn two, animate that it. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the the thought seize and then like the person's like, okay, fine, I'm going to discard my reanimate or whatever. You're like, no, no, I'm taking that grizzle brand. <laughs> oh, I've done that too. I've definitely done that too. They have like nice. three reanimation spells. I'm like, take the grizzle brand. <laughs> <laughs> oh. At that point, they should already know what's coming. <laughs> oh yeah, no, they know. They, I'm sure they know nothing. Nothing good is afoot when their gristle brand gets taken with it. No, no. Awesome. And speaking of the of the dragon bible, I just stopped it. Um, is, is that something that's gonna that is available publicly? So can we link that in the show notes for everyone? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that write up you're talking about is our official World Gorgeous Dragon write up. So it's supposed to be kind of the public resource for people with, if they want to learn more about dragon because it's such a weird deck that kind of just came up sort of recently. It has all the most updated stuff on the card choices we have, what we're not playing, the certain play lines you can make, sideboarding decisions, matchup analysis. I'd say it's got it all if you want to pick up Dragon. So definitely recommend checking it out. If like Even if you don't care about like the stream or the Discord or anything like that, if you just want to try Dragon, check out that write-up. First. Yeah, it's a 16 page document and even has like sweet pictures of. Is it. Uh, let me check. Let me that's guess. That's what I'm uh, the sweet pictures. Uh, yeah, it's got some sweet pictures. That's, that's definitely not Korean. So is it is it Japanese? I'm pretty sure it's Japanese. That's my good friend Alex's collection of World Gorger. But yeah. Or maybe it actually is. No, it doesn't look Korean. No, anyway. Now that you, you mentioned Alex, when I when I asked you to join the cast, um, you because you've been streaming and I thought you were the face of it, but I realized it's not just you that's been working on the deck. So we should give a shout out to the people that have been. Wake on the deck as well. Is it Alex and any others? Yeah, so the main, it's been mainly me, me and Alex. Have kind of, so I guess I should give a little bit of history behind the whole dragon thing. Yeah. So when the Discord server was kind of born, it was like Alex was like the main guy who started it all. Like I, I wasn't even around for like the, the first, the birth or the inception of it all. 
But, and he, because, like, apparently there were a lot of people in, like, his, his, like, his magic groups that were like, oh, this World War Dragon thing's pretty cool. So he made a Discord server. It's like, okay, you can put all your conversation about Dragon in this place. <laughs> so he did that. And then people were talking about it for a bunch. And people were like, hey, we kind of want someone to stream this to see, like, you know, so we could all kind of watch it. Especially with everything started kind of fall, you know, come, the whole pandemic and everything. So he, so he did that for a little bit. And then he, he reached out to me. He's like, hey, Kyle, you should come on the stream and, like, we can do it together because he knows all about, you know, we're, 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 we're best friends. And he also knows all about my magic history. So he's like, oh, I'm sure he'd be great. And so I came on and then slowly kind of like I used to just kind of like we do we cast together. But then he decided he didn't really want to stream anymore. So he's like, yeah, Kyle, you should take over the stream. So I'm like, OK, I can I can do that. And then from there, I, you know, the kind of rest is history. That's and then we kind of got to the point where you know, modern, the dragon as you know it, if you will. Yeah, that's great. So shout out to Alex as well. That's yeah, getting definitely. The, getting Alex, the dragon gang together. The yeah. Awesome, awesome. I, I'm really excited to play this as well. I have, well, I was say I'm going to build it in paper, but I have four dragons, but they're not real ones. They're the reprints, so I need to get some nice uh, judgment dragon. Oh, you got to get the chuck from us. Yeah, like old I know, friend I know. Dude. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty I, sure I saw the foil went up to like $114. Holy shit. Like that. <laughs> okay, I take so, that back. I don't actually own any World War Dragons. <laughs> Luckily, you only need one. Only yeah, one. True, true. So, lastly, where do you see this deck going? Like, it's 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 proved yourself now. It's it's more than a meme. Like people are going to say that for a while, I think still. But the deck you've you've won the last challenge. You've top hated one before, top forward one. Top before. forward, yeah. But yeah. it was actually even funnier because I didn't lose that top four match because you I lost out, right? it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I mean, this deck is real, and people are five owing with it a lot. So. Do you think this is a thing that's easy to attack or is it a thing that's here to stay? I think it's here to stay. It's just like you can't it's hard to attack decks that attack you on two different angles. I was talking about earlier, as you know, where I top aided or top aided the GP with core color copycat, and this deck feels like very similar to that, where you just have like this really awesome fair mid-range game plan, and then you also have this way to say, oops, I win the game. There's just not really a clear way to like you can attack it, but there's no. It's not. It's like Snoko, right? Where it's like there's no real clear way to say, okay, Snoko doesn't work anymore. It's not like Reanimator, where it's like, oh, just bring in your graveyard hate. Like that doesn't. That doesn't really fly. <laughs> yeah, people totally. do it, and it doesn't work. I can so, totally see this. There's it, definitely cards that people can start playing that are much better against Dragon, though. Like I would say, the best assets if you want to like beat Dragon. Which, uh, man, I'm giving away my trade secrets here. People are probably going to beat <laughs> just, just, just give one or two as a treat. Yeah, yeah. So a couple. So Nile Spellbomb, permanent-based graveyard hate that isn't terrible, like, situationally. Like, Relic of Progenitus and Nail Spellbomb are kind of the two that kind of fall into that. These kinds of, like, good, like, graveyard hate cards that can also be sacked away for value... Because those are really good. Because not only they're not like they're not like cards like Tormod's Crypt, which are relegated to just graveyard hate. But they're things that if I want a combo, I have to answer. But if I do answer them, I do so at a large disadvantage to myself. And they also don't get Thoughtseize, so it's much better in my opinion. Things like Surgical Extraction or Fairy Macabre is like another. I guess that's similar where you can Thoughtseize mm-hmm. that one, but that's also in our cards very effective at stopping combo. But yeah, those fair kind of. Small small ball graveyard hate cards are very good. And then also cards like Seals of... I, don't know, I think it's Seal of Cleansing is what it's called, but like the two mana enchantment you can sack to destroy an artifact or enchantment. Those kinds of cards, very effective as well. And like just stopping the combo and also being decent. So This sounds very <laughs> like, similar to the uh, the Buried Life Phoenix deck. Uh, yeah. When people were saying, like, how do you beat that? And I was saying, Surgical and Fairy Macabre, like, they don't work. You can 
bide your time, play a fair plan, and you can dis- you can discard it when you want to. It's the things that sit on board, and you you do have answers for them, as you said. But like you're losing mana usually, you lose a card, maybe two cards. Yeah, I can see that. Totally. Mm-hmm. Anything that says draw a card and disrupts, essentially. Yeah, or, exactly. Or the like, or like Dragon's Reliquary, definitely... as you said yeah. as well. Because that's going to get you a Caracas or a Paducah Bog or... Yeah, Crop Rot's always been good, but we could, yeah. we, luckily we can play around those because any card that goes on the stack, we play... John the Lock was a really big really big innovation in the deck that is kind of old at this point, but mm-hmm. you know, people who don't play it in Legacy, so I still consider it an innovation. No, where... this, this card is great. It's just to hype it up. It's, I think it's one of the most greatly designed cards in a while because it's so good against blue decks, but then it's like very dead against the dnt or eldrazi or whatever yeah it's super yeah it's actually card. it's not horrible though against them because well, like the fact that it's a counter spell that also serves a removal spell and getting two cards in the opponent's graveyard with fetch lands and all this stuff entering or even yeah, your own or your own thought seizes or your own removal spells like a replicate it's not hard to do it's actually insanely easy to do true true yeah not too bad not too bad at all yeah no, the- cool i'm excited to try this deck as well yeah, we're definitely going to link your, your Bible, the Dragon Bible, the link to your Dragon... Uh, no, you, you you have your own Twitter, right? You mentioned you might make a dedicated... Yeah, Twitter, I don't have a Twitter, Twitter yet, but we'll see if we get it. It's been kind of like... we Alex and I have been talking on and off about it. It's like maybe we should start making our own Twitter for this thing because honestly, this, this stream has grown so fast in such a small amount of time. It's kind of been hard to keep up with a little bit. Like... <laughs> I remember it was like not even a couple months ago. Our our Discord server was half of the size it is now, and my stream and the stream had like ten followers. So that's great. Uh, yeah, I love to hear this. yeah. No, it's come it's come so far. So we're thinking of making it a Twitter. I'll let you guys know if you yeah we can put that. But it awesome. doesn't exist as of this recording right now. So. Or maybe it's the secret. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> secret yeah, 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 secret world gorger Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, you sound so excited and passionate about this, and I think that's something that people really look for in a stream. That, that people pick up on and want to go back to, even if they don't play Dragon. Like, I haven't played it yet, but just listening to you makes me want to play it and, and check out your stream. <laughs> so when do, when do you usually stream? Like, do you stream, like, in the evening on the East Coast, or, or how does it work? Yes. So actually, we've been, we've been ironing out the schedule for now, but it's actually great you asked me this now, because I feel like we've gotten a really good rhythm right now. So my stream schedule right now is Thursdays to Sundays, and I'll usually start streaming at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, which I know you guys are all in different time zones, so I know <laughs> we, that's we not, I don't know how useful that is for you. But I will usually, usually what I'll do is on Thursdays, I'll just like, we'll try doing like, we'll, we'll start at 8 o'clock for me, 8 o'clock in, in, on the U.S. East Coast, and we'll play a, like a fun Dragon build, like not the stock, like something usually kind of spicy. Either it could be like user submitted or it could just be really cool. And that's so like, that's actually how we figured out about Teferi Master of Time, because the Last Thursday was when M21 came out, and I'm like, hey, look, we could play the new World Gorger Enabler from M21. Nice meme. And then it turned out it was actually just really good. So <laughs> we usually do that. We do that Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. We'll, we play still eight, uh, still 8 o'clock for those days. I'll play at the stock list, kind of just like play it a little bit, you know, drag, no, nothing too spicy. And then Sunday, if I'm really feeling up to it, I will, which I usually am. So I'll do a, I'll do a longer a longer stream, which will be a challenge most likely because the Sunday at eleven it, Legacy Challenge is pretty kind of fires like clockwork. So usually I'll just hop in that and see how it goes. And two out of three of them have gone very well. So oh, it's only two out of three as well. Wow, we have done three. The third one did not go so well. Okay. We, we went two and five. Made I some pretty poor sideboarding. Yeah, but the deck is fallible. It's not unbeatable. It's definitely not unbeatable. Oh, okay. That's good to hear. <laughs> what is the mirror like? Have you ever encountered the mirror? 
Yeah, actually, I, the first time I played against the mirror was in the challenge in round two. And it involved, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> and it involved me phasing out an opposing World Gorge Dragon, which is a fairy master of time. So I'd say it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is not something I expected to hear about Legacy in quite a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's it World Gorge is an animal to play. It's actually just like the stupidest like stupid stuff happens on such a regular basis. I just I have many stories. I have many stories of stupid games that like my I do like my brain is just leaking out of my ear. Give afterwards. us your best story. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I got my best one right here. So this was in the last challenge, and it was against Mono White Bomberman. And in all all like metrics, I am dead. Like this game in paper should be over. Like, but I, so but the but the scenario was my opponent had an Ariok Salvagers in play. They had a Lion's Eye Diamond, so they had the all the mana they could ever want. And they also had this weird old ghetto, what was it? It was it was like it was not Mishra's Bobble. It was like a one mana Mishra's Bobble that did oh, something very similar to Mishra's Bobble where like drew it makes a card. Someone, or, it's it makes someone like search for basic lands or puts land, yes, lands somewhere. Yes. Oh I know which one you might Yeah, it has like a guy and a flying arrow on it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's absolutely the one. I could not tell you the name for the life of me, but I know it drew a card is next up. Load so like, bubble is the card. Yep. Yeah, yep, perfect. So my opponent had that. So essentially, they were able to draw their deck, but they didn't have enough time on Moto. And I was like, I'm stream, like, I'm like, you know what, guys? Like, this is game one. I'm like, you know what? Everyone always times me out on Moto. Like, like well, if one's gonna go our way, uh, <laughs> let's, it's okay. It's okay. So he does a bunch. He draws like, like, let's say, like, I think it was like eight cards or something, and like sets. And he has a card, and he also has chalices. He has chalices of the void on one, three, or sorry, one, one, two on one, and then one on three. So I'm like, okay, this game's essentially over, but whatever. And then, and, th and he's also, he's all, just for the record, he's also on Garuda, back when Garuda was like, this is before Garuda was nerfed, or the Cabanes were nerfed, so he's also on Garuda. So I was like, I'm like, okay, maybe our out here guys is if he gets bored and he like casts Garuda and he like flips over my dragon and I can animate dead it since, and I, no, and I draw animate decks. I also didn't have animate dead in my hand and no way to get it because all my cantrips were locked out. But so my opponent, in fact, decides to get bored. He casts Garuda, and the only legal target he hits is my one of World Gorger Dragon. <laughs> it puts the World Gorger Dragon into play. His whole board goes under it, and I'm just looking over here. I'm like, look at he has six cards in his graveyard, and I have this Drown the Lock in my hand, and then I untap, draw, animate dead. I'm like, we just holy, won. Holy, we just won. <laughs> and I'm just like. This. It was so good. And then and then he, he tilted off and it was great. And I was like <laughs> Oh God. man. When, when it was beautiful. every stage you were describing that story, I was like, okay, so yeah, you're gonna you're gonna top let the animate dead. Wait, no, he has to cast the Garuda. Wait, no, this, that but then the only target as well, that's that's insane. Cause like it was just like are we it was like cause it just took all the chalices with it, so even after I killed the dragon, <laughs> the chalices all came back on zero, so they didn't do anything. <laughs> Uh, that's actually really good against Bomberman deck. <laughs> yeah, it, like if he literally hit anything else, like I had four Ice Fang coils when I agree with and I'm sure he had plenty of t of even cost creatures in his deck. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's but amazing. Yeah. I, I would love to see that in action. Uh, you yeah, mentioned people cool. time your order a lot. So is the combo like very time intensive? So uh, uh, how many minutes usually does it take to, to combo off? Yeah, so on average, I'd say I've gotten pretty good at it at this point because I've been streaming this for months, but... It, it, and we've also optimized it a lot, but I'd say it's like right now I could probably do it in like 
three minutes oh, at that best. sounds good that's not too yeah bad. but you can sometimes get into scenarios where it's like if you have too many ice fangs in play or too many laves in play and you're stacking all the triggers and yeah. like oh you didn't draw in tomb and you're digging through your deck and oh my god you need to like cast this fey of back when you cast the fey of wishes you have to like get back fey of wishes discard two cards of fey of wishes cast granted cast torment click x x x x click 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 and it's just like it, it could take it, that that three is like a loose three and that three took a lot to get to so and i can guess I recommend yeah, something slow and grindy so you can get to like low on clock without getting to the combo as well yeah i also am a deliberate and slow magic player so okay. it does not play to my favor in that regard. can i recommend something that i'm doing on my stream that people love when you when you combo off, you put on some special dragon music. I do that for glimpse chains when I play Fs, and people love that shit. Uh, like even uh. I like people sometimes play the glimpse music on their phone when when I combo off on paper, and it's I can like, start suddenly hear like like what the fuck. <laughs> Okay. Oh so if God. you have dedicated dragon music, that would be amazing. What's dragon music? Oh, that would be good. Just like so, I, I gotta figure out if it would be like high pressure music, or it's mm. like go, 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 or if it's just like elevator music, where it's like, okay, <laughs> wait for some, it. I think some uh, Hulse the Planets could go well, like really intense dragon, and, or just, yeah, elevator music. I play elevator music on my stream. <laughs> you know, you want to avoid those copyright strikes, right? So elevator music, that's got to be fair use. Oh, uh, you, dude, you have no idea. I, I play some like classical music from, I think, the 17th century or something, and I still get copyright strikes for that. I play. I recently played the, the Russian national anthem, and I got a copyright strike for that. Dude, it's, it's not even funny. Yeah, no, it's uh, a kill-or-be-killed world out there. <laughs> Maybe you just, should just sing or something. <laughs> awesome. Oh, man. But moving on from one meme that turned into a real deck to another meme that turned into a real deck... Shark still has actually been all the rage, and that's something, Kalim, that you've been yeah. coming up with, right? So yeah. So I tell us about that. I I did not expect it to. Well, I mean, cards are good, right? So the the thing behind this was other people were playing the the cards before, and they were messing around with uh, Shark Typhoon as the card. So if anyone that doesn't know Shark Typhoon, it's a six mana enchantment. It costs five and a blue, so it's a blue card for Force of Will. Uh, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you create an XX shark creature token with the flying where X is the mana cost. But the important thing is it has cycling as well. It has cycling for one, a blue, and X. And when you cycle it, you create an, a shark flying token as well where where X is the amount of money you spent. So this works really nicely with standstill because you can cast standstill and then you can cycle through it. It's, it's like a new age um, decree of justice for the decks. But this pitches to force. It's it's slightly more powerful and less mana intensive and stuff. So the reason I built this was because um, a friend of mine, Nicholas Holtman from Germany, he was shouting at me to make a, he just loves the card. He likes sharks, I guess. And he was saying, Callum, build me a deck for this. I said, okay, sure, sure. And I forgot to do it for about two weeks and he kept shouting at me. I said, okay. And then as I do at work, I build decks at work because I can't play at work. So um, I put it together it's a pretty standard, like, blue-white good stuff shell. It had, like, some Teferis, stamp casters, then your usual things to complement standstill, like um, Spell Pierce and Spell Snare. And then three Shark Typhoons. Um, the other interesting card in the deck is Mithrealize, which the jury's still out on. It's a really powerful curve to go, like, turn one Mithrealize turns two standstill because you have your clock down. It does hit pretty hard, and it's also not super embarrassing when the games go very late like it's not unusual for the deck to cast a lot of uh spells so i've, I've had it be like a 15 15 a couple of times and you just kill someone a couple of hits 
<laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I honestly thought the deck looks solid, but it's just going to be like a, a cool looking deck that plays sharks and standstill. And then friend of ours, Thomas Mekin, he um, he like, played a league with it in 5-0 the first time. Killing and, me on the way. Oh, killing you on the way. Even better. Yeah, that's, I basically, lost. I lost. that's basically a 6-0 <laughs> then. And then... Uh, <laughs> And then I've been doing, we mentioned last uh, last podcast, I've been doing some charity streams with donation deck lists. Someone donated for me to play it. And it only took three and a half hours to grind through like two snow decks on the way. But I 5-0'd with it too. It was pretty impressive. And then where, where it picked up is I'd posted on my Twitter and stuff. And then Noah Walker, Delver and Legacy Extraordinaire, just one of the best players I know of basically, he saw like potential in it. So he picked it up made some changes for the better, and then he wrote a article on Channel Fireball Pro about the deck. So I read that, and I really recommend anyone that wants to go and check out the deck to read that if they can. Um, his changes are very good. Anuragdas, then, he took the deck thinking, I was watching a stream, and he was bad-mouthing it a little bit, um, but then he 5-0'd as well, actually beating a mirror on the way as well. And it's... It, Top two, two copies, top 16, the last challenge, I believe. Yeah, exactly. It, it was Anorak and uh, somebody, I guess I just searched for Shark. There shouldn't be too many Shark people. <laughs> Not yeah, too many Shark. Shark, Shark Typhoon, sorry about Legacy. Sharnardi got 20th place, yeah. <laughs> cool. So it's it's hard to describe the deck because honestly, it does look pretty bad and underpowered on paper. Like, Standstill hasn't been a good card, I think, for a very long time because this is actually going to be like a really perfect segue into us, another topic we're going to get to soon. But my reasoning for standstill being bad is not because people play one drops like Delver of Secrets. It's because ca- raw cards are just not worth what they used to be. So like, yeah, you play standstill turn two and like someone plays an Oko into it and then you just don't have the force of will or they have the force of will back. Your then like straight blue-white deck is going to struggle beating that Oko. And so it's it's really about how threats line up and like whether your cards do something. And I also, with the printing a Veil of Summer, I just was so low on like strictly draw-go kind of decks like Standstill can be. I was very, very questioning of this. So that's why the deck just looks pretty bad, honestly, on paper. But it's been punching above its weight. So yeah, I'm not sure where it goes from here. Like it is very classic blue-white stuff. It plays your Source of Power shares, Snapcasters. But yeah, I remember like watching this kind of gameplay, the blue-white X Lancel kind of deck. That's what I first saw when I looked into Legacy in like 2005, six. Yeah, that that was like one of the most popular decks in Munich. That I think half the meta game even played, and it made for hilarious situations. Like in the mirror match, it's not rare for one person to have uh, standstill, and then the Misha's factories on both sides cancel each, cancel each other out. I yeah. guess in this build, you don't even have manlands to begin with, so the scenario might even come up more often. And then eventually, like both players get down to like two cards in a library. And then they fight over decking the other player with standstill. So they go like brainstorm, brainstorm, response, because the trigger always goes on top, right? So <laughs> oh you try to be the last one playing an instant, and that would lead to the craziest scenarios. Uh- <laughs> See, this for me is just beautiful magic where you like you have these in-game kind of things, and both players need to be setting up for that. And they need to be like assessing can they do they have enough instants to be able to like make sure it cracks and the other person draws the cards? Or like they need to be like setting up for that 10 turns in advance. That's, that's great. Yeah, at least, right? Yeah. And if you if you don't know, like 
if you think that you are actually strategically disadvantaged, then you will probably break it much earlier. Or maybe at least see whether your opponent has to start discarding because they yeah. can't make land drops. Because that's another thing about Stencil, right? The biggest thing is that you get to make your land drops, hopefully. And that's maybe it. your opponent who's playing a deck that doesn't have as many lands will start to discard. So you, not only will you get like plus two card advantage out of it, but potentially even more if they have to discard. Which they usually would avoid then by playing right into it, but not everybody does that. And if they do it, you're still up. I think people, from my experience playing it so far in just that one league, people were breaking it pretty early, which I think was generally the right play. Like, again, the threats are good enough that you can just jam into it and make the blue-white player like have their answers line up. But I think uh, the, the printing of Force of Negation is a huge thing for this deck as well, because it's just another way to have free interaction on the stack. And you have another way to answer Oko, which is very, very good against the deck. But it's also just another way to use these free card, these extra raw cards, even if the matchup, like, it helps that your answers do or don't line up right against the threats that they're presenting. So Force of Negation is just very flexible. It counters any non-creature spell, obviously. So, yeah, this was this is another big reason why I think Standstill, I might have been wrong about it previously, that the raw cards don't matter, because they, they do. Like, raw cards are still very good, so... Yeah, I actually played against this deck once when I was, like, playing with Dragon, and when they just go, like, turn two standstill, you're just like, what do I do here? Like, yeah. it's, like, really <laughs> bad. Because like, if they, if you just let them draw their three cards, it's really hard to, like, yes, like, you, of course they could have, like, they might not have it, but when you're giving them three cards, they are much more likely to have it than when they don't. Totally. And also, to your point with Oko, I think the three Pyroblasts, I feel like, would go a really long way against stopping mid-range threats like that, because you could just, like, clean up an Oko for one mana post-poor, it's just, like... What, what do they do? Yeah, yeah that's, that's, I, that's I the whole reason. That's the whole reason I added red, like just purely for Oko, I think, because yeah. you can't play a Sandstone into an Oko because you will, like, nine times of the time, <laughs> lose that. that. Yeah. I don't know, from the Ashes, get an honorable mention. That's pretty sweet, too. Oh, <laughs> from, that's that's one of the cards that Noah added, which I think is great. Like, there's a lot of land based decks. So there's the uh, Titan Stompy deck, which is very good, very good against snow decks. So it's uh, a nod oh, to yeah. Earth Swing as well. No, like we, we play Assassin's Trophy, and it's like the same thing. You just assassinate Delver, yes. and they never have a basic. So I imagine you just cast this against Delver, and they're just like, oh Bang. no. <laughs> yeah, this like very much emulates the kind of play style and thinking that you already touched on, right? People have to play, plan very far ahead, understand their role in the matchup, and plan accordingly. That's something to me that's always super evident when I play elves against it. And I've played elves against it quite a lot lately. And I've noticed that for elves, at least, it's surprisingly okay to not crack the stencil for a long time post-board especially like pre-board uh, but especially post-board and for me the game plan has been and you can actually see that really well in my in my legacy premier league match season i want to say three two or three i think it's three against oh jo jody keith jody keith that's the one and we played, and I already like I really knew the matchup back then, and I guess I still do, <laughs> even though it's it's actually somewhat different because of Shark Typhoon now, because Shark Typhoon is much more scary than Mission Spectre. That beats your is. stupid dry Arbors. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, not, but but not only that, like you, <laughs> the the thing is, post board you, you actually get to get, get, go into a game state where they have seven cards in hand and you have eight cards in hand, and then you crack the standstill 
with, say, a Thoughtseize. And then they have 10 cards in hand. But you have so many 1-mana must-counters. You have, you, you're basically trying to amass a game where you have a bunch of lands in play. And then you fire off all your discard spells. And they either answer all your discard spells, or even better, if they're resolved, then you know exactly what you're up against. So you're playing a really, really good game on, on the mana side. Because if they want to answer everything, they usually don't have enough mana. And if they want to use their free counter spells, that's a 2-for-1 for you. So eventually, very often, the way it plays out... Unless you get killed by a Shark Typhoon earlier on, which is a very rare thing in the match in the matchup right now, um, you just run out of a bunch of one mana spells. Eventually, one or two glimpses resolve, and then you just get to go off, and that, that's just like the greatest feeling in the world whenever <laughs> that happens. Because I've, I've played that line a lot lately because the deck shows up on Magic Online quite I, a bit I, now. I think Elves looks like a pretty bad matchup for exactly how you describe. Like Glimpse is just it can't resolve, and then you just have it's so cheap you can just fire it off. Yeah. Yeah, but even like if you know that from your side, right? That that's also like a big advantage. So you you will probably try to avoid that scenario in some kind of way because when I play against experienced, well, I wanna say landstill general pilots, they actually often crack their own standstill eventually at the end of my turn. So mm -hmm. I go to like eleven cards, like I have eight cards, they crack it. I go to eleven, I have to discard four cards, and <laughs> yeah, that's how it actually surprisingly often plays out unless they can of course find like early shark typhoon. Sometimes I, I think I did this in the league that I played on stream as well, where like. I played a standstill and then I cracked it myself with a Teferi. Um, Ooh, and so they, drew, so they drew their cards like main phase. But what I'd gotten out of it was I lose three cards and the standstill, but I'd gained time, I'd made land drops, and I got to play a Teferi, resolve it, then play a second standstill. And the turn after that, I then use the Teferi to bounce the standstill. They can't cast cards because I have a Teferi in play, play a Mithrealize, and then play standstill again. <laughs> so I'd engineered a state where even though I lost four cards, it didn't matter because I'd gate I'd got the game to a state I wanted to. Awesome. So, Something yeah. we should mention. Yeah. Um, if we have people tuning in who have never played against Stencil, a very common play pattern that you can also do when you're in one of these Stencil games is to play an instant on your opponent's end of turn. So they get to draw the cards, but unless they counter whatever you're doing, preferably with a pitch counter or something, then they also need to discard a ton of cards. So that's something you can't really do with elves unless you have... I guess, crop rotation or maybe abrupt decay on something, but you usually can't abrupt decay anything there. You can abrupt decay the standstill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There's something, yeah. Uh, even though I guess you wouldn't bring it in the first place, but yeah, yeah, yeah you're, you're definitely right. So this is a pretty good tip. Like, I see, I guess I don't see it that much, but I think it's a pretty common play pattern for, like, the standstill player to put a, a standstill on the stack against Delver, for example, and then the Delver person will bolt them in response because, like, okay, I need to get some damage in. But actually, you should save that bolt for when they have a, a full hand and they, they're ending the turn at eight cards, and then you bolt them and they draw more and they go to discard. In a certain way, that's actually almost card disadvantage for, for the other player, right? Because they, they have to discard. Like, they mm -hmm. draw three, yeah, but they also yeah. usually end up discarding three and they lose the standstill in the process. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that tempo. It's just important that you don't get into this game state that I was talking about. It, it's a very delicate balance because you want to not give them the card advantage, but at the same time, if you let them, if you play draw go and they just make land drops, and then later in the game they have just like a full griff counter spell, snapcaster mages, source to plowshares, you're going to be drawing dazes and wastelands and lightning bolts, which just line up very poorly. So you need to you need to assess the the state of the game every turn. Really, it's. It's so interesting to play against this card as well. So that makes me happy that it's kind of making a bit of a comeback. Yeah, it's an awesomely designed card. I love it. I feel like modern cards aren't really designed this way anymore, where they're just like really good always. But these kinds of cards are like 
You have to play very interesting games to kind of make them good and very unintuitive lines. Like, this stuff's the best. Totally. Uh, modern standstill would be whenever an opponent casts a spell, you crack it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And they say the downside like, oh, you don't get the cards till your opponent casts a spell. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that would actually be really broken because then you could, like, put two or three of those on the, on the board at the same yes, time. Yes, it would. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to... Hold on, guys, I'm going to go puke up. Yeah, <laughs> but, but jokes aside, I do agree. It's it's very cool to see it kind of back in a way. It, there's nothing like it. It's just a completely unique card, and we get to play with sharks, which is pretty sweet. You know what the shark card typhoon. is called in German? Shark Typhoon. Go for it. Well, it's pro- it's called Haifoon. Haifoon, and it's pronounced H. Uh, it's it's spelled H A I F U N. So it's it to an English speaker, it sounds more like Haifun. Haifun. It is fun. It's basically what a, the, the same thing it's called in English. I just find the name so hilarious. But German I guess Shark good. Typhoon is already hilarious. Yeah, we don't, yeah. We don't need more. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so you were, you were um, touch. Actually, before we go into that, let's also give a shout out. I guess we, we, we can talk about that in the future as well if it keeps doing well. But uh, holy shit, Paradigm Shift Barefork has been doing really well. Like in the, in the last challenge, I think it put had something like copy? three. Yeah. I think it had, yeah, I, I don't know if it top eight it, but I saw like three of our copies in, in the top thirty-two. This, ep- this episode is all about memes that are actually way better than they uh, than we think they are. Okay, are we- okay, let, let, let's go back. Like Murfork was like yeah. super tier one, oh, established. Yeah. Like I have so much respect for the deck. I played it myself. Yeah, it, but it how, how long ago was this? Ten plus years ago? Oh, come on, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm just keeping us real over here. Mm. Uh, it was more like nine years ago. Yeah, you're right. It's fine. <laughs> Only nine years ago. Like, okay. Uh, but yeah, that I, I, I always had a soft spot for Marfog, and I think it's not getting the credit it deserves because it's like a really cool deck. Uh, even though people say it's more like the creature version of a burn deck, and to a certain degree, I agree. Uh, I just like it so much. It has yeah. <laughs> no, I've, I've, I am 0-2 against Merfolk right now. I have not beat Merfolk yet with World Gorger Dragon. So if this deck starts ticking up, this is another mm. one of those weird bad matchups I was talking about. So I think I'm like yeah. 1 and 8 or 9 against it lifetime with a host of different decks. Like, name it. Oh, yeah. I just always... No, I love playing Blue-White Control. I would always lose the Merfolk yeah. if we go back further. I think I'm... Yeah, I'm, so I'm around there too. We, we had now there's um, Paradigm Shift. Yeah. yeah. So Thassa's Oracle Paradigm Shift. If anyone unaware, uh, Paradigm Shift is a card, is a rare from Weatherlight, and it's one in a blue, and it's uh, remove your library from the game and then shuffle your graveyard into your library. So it's essentially, you, know, you remove your library from the game, but Merfolk has very few cards that go to the graveyard unless they're like discarded, killed, or counters, or they have force at will. So it's very easy to have just like one two or three cards in your graveyard so it's essentially just removing your whole uh, library from the game and thassa's oracle as people probably know from like multiple other formats is two blue for a one three merfolk so you can cavern it it gets pumped as well when etbs you look at the top x cards of your library where x is your devotion to blue and so you're going to have a high devotion count as well so even if you have multiple cards in your graveyard like three four or five you're probably going to be able to hit this fine with your lords um, you choose a card from that pile and then you put that on top and the rest on the bottom of your library. But if X is equal to or higher than the cards in your library, you win the game. So it's essentially like a two-card combo, especially in a deck that doesn't fill the graveyard, like I said. So to me, with no real filtering the deck, it kind on, on the surface it looks kind of out of place and it's hard to put together. But when you factor in that 
This is a deck playing a lot of Force of Wills. It has a very fast clock with the Lords. Yeah, I mean, it, this is similar to Welgorgor Dragon. Like, you're going to catch people off guard. You're going to have this combo you can Vile or Cavern in the Thassa's Oracle. And yeah, I can yeah. see it pretty good. One other thing I wanted to touch on there is when I, I, re, when I, it was the one game I was actually about to beat Burfolk. Another <laughs> one of the stories I had where I'm like, okay, I guess we got this locked up. It he only happens. has one card in hand. And then I cast Dragon, and he cast Merfolk Trickster. And apparently, if you remove all the abilities from Dragon, you don't get any permanence back. Oh my god! Learn that. Oh my <laughs> so god. watch out for that if Merfolk becomes a thing, because I didn't know that. I yeah, that's not even on my radar when you said the name. Merfolk Trickster is the one that basically creates a containment priest effect for a turn, right? No, no, it's two oh, blue. It takes the abilities oh, oh, the, 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 the tap one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. It, it taps down and removes all the, the abilities from, from the worker or any creature yep. it targets, right? Yeah. Yep, so you lose the leave battlefield ability and then it does not end well for you. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, this also this deck's very similar. It feels like the powered up version of if you guys play Pioneer, Devere Inverter, mm-hmm. where that deck play this like Paradigm Shift essentially is the ETB ability of Inverter of Truth, but you just have this really awesome aggressive beatdown plan on top of that. So yeah, yeah I think this deck's gonna be very good. And this deck can can I, I don't know if the the uh, most recent list do, but it can play Chalice as well. It like can have loads of counter magic, of course. It's a pretty potent mix. Yeah. The the thing like the evolution of Murfolk has been that the deck always struggled against combo because it really only had like four forces, four dazes, and then four curse catchers. And that sounds okay, but it's actually not. So eventually the deck adopted Chalice of the Void and started playing Chalice of the Void and no Wastelands anymore because the mana base is actually horrible. <laughs> it's just like you need to so many times and every time you drop Meteor Void or Wasteland you felt like, oh, I'm delaying my Lord per turn. That was like a big deal. So the Chalice deck, the Chalice made it actually viable and I think uh, Cyrus Cormagill actually went on record saying it's one of the worst matchups he could face with Storm. Mm-hmm. So there's something. And now having access to the combo that actually kills your opponent instantly. We, we talked about this earlier, right? With Dragon or with other decks that, that have like a decent grind or in from a fixed like aggro plan, but then also add that other strategic element, in this case like the quick combo kill, how that is always a really, really good spot to be because it makes it so hard for your opponent to actually evaluate where they are in the matchup. And I really, really like that the deck is doing that. I gotta say, initially, I didn't like it that much. I just like I have a very fond memory. I have very fond memories of the old school Merfolk deck that really just would beat you down and and just counter one or two spells on the way and then get you that way. But now having that line available, and I mean, you gotta say, Thassa's Oracle, even outside of the combo in this deck, it's not that bad, right? No, no, you it, get this. No, they have a deck. lot of blue pips. That's a big scry. Yeah, you're you're just grabbing a lord or a force to the top of the library or like maybe the chalice or whatever you need yeah yeah it's basically the, the, the discussion we sometimes have in legacy how many scry equals one card draw and even if it doesn't fully amount to a full card draw i guess yeah. usually people say like scry four is like a card draw or something but even if it doesn't get to that it's still almost there and then having that extra upside of, of getting the combo that's just like really really cool i like that yeah, it's not yeah. a, it's not a bad card when you're uh, I'm a full. huge fan of this. I'm a huge. Fan. I love even... creative decks like this. So yeah. <laughs> and we haven't even mentioned like that. There's still this true name nemesis in the deck, which is one yeah. of the oh yeah, just four true names. <laughs> and what's came so back from the dead? Lurus killed him. <laughs> their their true names are getting through Blake engineers because you have the lords and stuff. So it's, ah. it's, it's tricky to balance everything. Yeah, the list I'm looking at right now also runs three Baron Talarian Archmage, which seems super spicy. Yeah, this is so one of the new cards. 
So Baron is three mana, so I think one and double blue, so double pips. It's a 2-2. Two, two. When it ETBs, you can bounce a creature or Planeswalker to its owner's hand. And you can do this to your own as well, so you could, like... I could see them really like playing out a fast oracle, finding the paradigm shift with the ETB, and then barring it back to your hand, and yeah. Yeah, also it draws a card if you bounced your own thing, so yes. it wants you to bounce your own stuff. Yeah, and if you if you bounce like let's get cute here, if you bounce your own silver gill adept, you basically draw two cards when, once you get the silver gill adept down, but like while maybe on the second second turn. Uh, on, the, on the same turn. Or you, I guess you get to use reuse your cozy tricks. It's like all tiny, small, incremental value. I, I also noticed the Baron. I think it's amazing. I don't know if it's going to be a mainstay, especially as a three-off, but maybe maybe it's good enough. Uh, yeah, but it excites me as well. For sure. Also note, I think Baron triggers on any. Like, it doesn't have to be the permanent that you returned, right? No. So, yeah. for example, if you were to go to play a more old-school um, Merfolk list with dazes again then if you daze I think that would also trigger uh, Baron uh, oh yeah it's a permanent yeah that would work it, it, but it's your end step so you'd have to daze on your turn for it to work but if you did that then yeah that would work uh, that's just just tiny small things so yeah Merfolk watch out for Merfolk really cool deck they're coming it's coming <laughs> for our last uh, segment here that I went to discuss an article I actually only stumbled upon today even though it was released a couple of days ago it's by one of the most oh, the one of the best I want to say players in the history of magic I really think very highly he, of him he totally is he's one of the best ever yeah, Javier Dominguez uh, from Spain and he wrote a really great article about well on Hararuria, on Hararuria, I can't pronounce Hararuria. it. Like I can't roll my R's. Can you, yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> Hararuria, yeah. Okay, awesome. And he wrote an article. He says it's about the state of the cantrips and how to pro- properly play cantrips in Legacy. And that's basically the core thing he talks about. But I think it actually gets the context of Legacy and what's going on in Legacy really, really right. He speaks about how Legacy has changed lately and how that affects um, the way he plays cantrips and also the, the overall like strategic approach to towards certain matchups. And I just, we're going to link it in the show notes. You can probably read it for yourself and, and get a better overview of that. At least for me, I want to say, Xavi really, really puts into words what I've been thinking about Legacy for at least half a year, maybe a year. Um, ever since we got a lot of changes that probably like most people listening to would be aware that's that's <laughs> yeah I think the beginning is the beginning of this real power creep is War of the Spark which had uh, Dreadful Darkness very key That would, this for me is the beginning of this extra step where what what uh, Javier describes in the article is cantrips used to be like whoever could balance their game plan like well enough to hold cantrips for as long as possible and play them at the last minute to find what you need to like maximize all your cards values this is like how you would play old miracles mirrors very often where you you would hold on to ponders until later because you need to leave up the mana sometimes as well but you also like you just don't know the the how the game what the is bottleneck gonna is gonna be right mm-hmm. exactly so you don't know if you need land drops you don't know if you need another pyroblast or force of will or whatever so Games, a lot of blue mirrors especially were like this, and they you, they rewarded um, playing slowly and being patient. But now the power level of cards, and especially their snowball or ability to snowball, has been pushed so much in the last few sets that the format is about tempo, but not in the old way that we think of tempo, like uh, nimble mongoose and stifle and stuff. Tempo 
when it's tied to this snowballing effects, like Dreadful Darkness, you if you leave it alive for one or two turns, every single turn it's generating this card advantage where it's going to draw them into more threats or free counter magic or more disruption. Every turn you leave Oko, it's generating more either disruption for your creatures or it's like you know getting out of range where you can reasonably kill it in combat. Uro is gaining life, drawing cards, putting in, putting lands into play. So these threats just like they don't actually finish the game fast, but they they put it away much faster. Like, just leave them for a few turns. So his argument is, you want to be pondering turn one or turn two to find a force of will to, for that Oko if your opponent's going to be going into their turn three and you don't have a force of will yet. You want to be actively looking for land drops to, to play your threats on curve. Uh, Uro is even like a stronger example of this, where like, it's probably quite common to brainstorm turn one more than you think to hit your second land drop in the right sequence for the fetch lands you want. It's probably very uh, common to brainstorm turn two, even if you like think, okay, I have two lands in play, one of which is a fetch land. I could then, and I want a third land drop. You don't want to have one in the hand. It would be very common to think, okay, I can go to my third turn. I can brainstorm main phase. You see one card deeper. But when your deck is full of Okos and Uros, I think brainstorming at the end of your opponent's turn, you're losing one card deeper but you're gaining potentially three mana by playing a threat turn three and this is what like the format is hinging around a lot where you are playing to the board you are trying to snowball or you are trying to stop your opponent snowballing in these kind of situations so as an additional note to this he says force of will was historically very bad in uh, fair mirrors because you just don't want to be down on card advantages but because all these threats get your card advantage back it's so important to have this tempo this interaction at any point in the game so um that's that's roughly summing up what he said probably better than what i'm trying to explain now but um actually even to further point out how uro really rewards playing cantrips early it lets you escape it earlier as you fill your graveyard with ponders and brainstorms and stuff and fetch lands it's also really important to find either the fetch lands that aren't the jewel lands whatever so you can you know you can escape it on turn four or something it really reminds me of the old Treasure Cruise days where people complained that Treasure Cruise took away the nuance of playing cantrips because you you would get rewarded for playing them faster because you have a payoff. And Uro's escape is basically like Delve. So it's uh, yeah, very similar things. Uh, yeah, you, I think you, you really summed it up very well with regards to what the, the core gist of the article. I think that the one quote that stuck out to me the most, that's why I made it red in our show notes, <laughs> is... Um, <laughs> Xavier mentions, the fact that the threats are so powerful means they are often more relevant than card advantage itself. And that goes back to what you said about especially Dreadhought Arcanist, right? Mm -hmm. If you can force your Dreadhought Arcanist through, uh, you're down a card, but you immediately start making up the card disadvantage. And not only that, you also make up up tempo, right? Because it casts the cards for free. And in a way, it's the same for for, uh, Euro. Euro also gets you your, your, your even more tempo by giving you those additional land drops. So... We are really right now caught in a spot where the threats have become so powerful that, like you mentioned, the nuance is, is kind of gone. The, the, I think Anorak recently called it like the elegance is gone. I, I can totally see that. So it feels more like we are, we are battling each other with very powerful uh, mega super robots or whatever. Uh, that's probably like a bad comparison. Yeah, Battlecruiser <laughs> yeah, Battle Magic ship. is what they call yeah, it. That's the Battlecruiser Magic, but at like two and three mana, right? It yeah. used to be a thing for five mana. Like people talked about Baneslayer as the epitome of that kind of playstyle. And 
now we're we're down to a two drop yeah. being almost game deciding. I, I mentioned it in, in one of our legacy chats that uh to me when I'm playing elves, for example, I'm always playing a far prop decay if I can somehow find the way because Dreadnought Agnes to me is maybe the most defining card of the format right now because it's so incredibly scary to anything that's not a combo deck. And even combo decks like can struggle against that quite a bit if, if it's active for too long. Oh yeah. I think one important takeaway from Javier's article though is he doesn't say this is necessarily a bad thing. I think a lot of players yearn for that nuanced thing. And for me personally, I do prefer the uh, quote unquote old way of doing it. But um, it's just a different way of thinking about things. We, I don't think... Even before Dredge Darkness came along, I think people were siding out for Will and Fed matchups a bit too much and being a bit too uh, playful with their cantrips and being a bit too slow sometimes. So he he just explains how things are rather than saying, like, you know, decrying the state of it. It's, uh, we need yep. to just reevaluate things all the time. That's the main thing. I really noticed that, and that's also why I think the article is so good. I, I'm very much on, on on your side of the of the uh, that thing as well, right? I also think like I like the old way of doing that much better with regards to gameplay and strategy. But you can really see that like, this article was written by a pro who's yeah. in there to win, and not who's in there to create the perfect meta game or format that they enjoy. I mean, that's probably also something he would like to do. But this is really through the eyes of a killer. Like Chevy sees what's going on which adapt adaptations do we need to make and this is the world we live in and now we we do what's yeah. required i mean that sounds pretty dramatic this, this but is also that, still a guy yeah. who has won a legacy gp as well he's he's super entrenched in the format in the past and he knows he made cephalid breakfast as well like he knows this format inside and out from for years and years so he's coming at it from he knows all these old heuristics and as you said now he's the world champion <laughs> he's just one of the best ever so he's coming at it from as you say a killer's eyes who just does know all the old stuff as well so it's a great great way to put it yeah you guys are really right i think you hit a lot of the great points but it's kind of it's, it's interesting to see how the paradigm is kind of shifting from cards to mana and there's just like a lot of people just aren't really all about that like i hear it all that i think the best example that i come into contact where this kind of applies is i have so many people who tell me about how they think Astrolabe should be banned from the Legacy format because what it does, it does too much for too little of a mana and it like puts you too far ahead so you can just do whatever you want with your mana and like mana should be more nuanced and all that. But then I'm like, well, guys, come on. We like, we got to, you got to look at this. Like the decks that are winning with, there's not, like if you look at the metagame share of Arkham's Astrolabe decks, they're not that big. Like they're very small, in fact. Like in the top 60, or as I think it was in the top 32 of this challenge, there are more World Gorger Dragon combo decks than there were Snowboard decks. <laughs> so, you know, just putting that out there. Facts don't but, lie. Facts don't lie. But, yeah. If you, that, but, told, if you had told me like half a year ago that right now in Legacy, phasing and World Gorger Dragon combo would be like tier one thing, or like, like things that just won a big Legacy tournament, I would have been like, whoa, is this like Legacy from 15 years ago or something? This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so different because it's like people just... And then when I, when I talk more people about it, I'm like, this is what, like, this is what I think. What it usually boils down to their opinion is they just don't like this for informed magic. They're just not a fan of it. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I can't, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. Fair enough. But, you know, it's very interesting to kind of see all the facts put out in paper like this. So, yeah, no, I don't, I don't know what else I kind of just wanted to add that point there. Yeah, totally. But. It is, it's, it's hard for people to like, it is quite a dramatic shift, but it's been happening slowly and people are, myself included, like kind of starting to really wake up to this shift because as we said, like playing cantrips and force of will being good or bad and fair matchups or not, this, these were slow adoptions here and there. And it's 
right now we're being like kind of thrust into it. There's been so many good threats. So it's uh, yeah. a lot like, of people I, don't play Magic Online as well. And they are really missing getting to play in paper. And paper it was never really like you didn't have the opportunity to play that much anyway. So the people on mm -hmm. Magic Online, we are getting to play all the time. And we're getting like firsthand experiences of this and playing so much. And so I do really, really feel like the people that are waiting for paper to come back, I, I feel for them because they're being told that things are fine. But what they're seeing is a, such a shift in like, you know, they're seeing these lists with five colors and playing Blood Moon and Back to Basics. And, you know, without playing actually with it or against it, I'll be like, what the, f what is this? You shouldn't be able to yeah. do this. But it, it's, yeah, when you play against it, it's, I don't think Snow is particularly good, honestly. I, I think it's a tier two deck currently. I agree. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. It's also so interesting too when you, when I'm playing itself, and not even just with like with Warcraft Dragon, but just in generally, like the difference between when they go turn one blue source Delver Secrets versus when they go turn one blue source Ponder, oh. it is you can feel like the tension, like how much more like when they Ponder, I'm like, oh, they're basically taking all their turn one off. This is yeah. great. I'm yeah. doing so well. But if they put the Delver, I'm like, oh my God, I'm already under threat. I'm already under pressure. I'm already like need to find answers to this or find a way to like win the game. Like it's like night and day. And I think that's like a perfect example of just what we're seeing here. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So guys, let's wrap it up here. Um, where can people find you on social media? Callum, I'm sorry. I always mispronounce your name. It's almost <laughs> okay. going to become a meme at this point. <laughs> I'm just going to call myself Caleb now once you get to get it right. <laughs> Caleb, <laughs> okay, cool. So yeah, best place, always find me on Twitter at WhitefacesMTG as, uh, or Magic Online at Whitefaces as well. Yeah, shout at me. Are you still doing streaming or is that, was that more like a one-time yes, thing? Um, I've just been very busy with... Uh, work is picking up and i've been we've been having like lockdown is starting to uh decrease so i've gone out a couple of times and gone for beers in the park and barbecues and stuff so but i do have more donation debt lists from my charity stream to play still and i've got a friend wanting me to play some black green pox as well soon kahira pox actually <laughs> kahira pox yeah and they said cats were bad yeah <laughs> well there's no dog pox so so yeah Ooh, um i won't be streaming this weekend but Maybe next week. Awesome. And Kyle, where can people find you and the whole Dragon crew? Yeah, yeah. So the, as I as we kind of touched on a little bit earlier, not don't have the maybe we'll have the Twitter put together on time. But the main place you can find me if you want to see me streaming, I stream three to four days a week, Thursday, Sundays. Worldgord twitch.tv slash worldgorger115. We also, I believe, if you guys, we, we should get a Discord invite link if you want to join that. We got plenty of Worldgorger Dragon information there and the write up to, like that. I guess that's not really where you find me, but great Worldgorger Dragon information there. So check it out. Awesome. And if people want to find me, you can find me at, at itsjulian23 on Twitter or twitch.tv slash itsjulian. Yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> or on Twitch TV slash it's Julian. And if you want to follow our podcast, uh, you can go to twitter.com slash eternalmtg. That's, that's the dedicated Eternal MTG podcast, Twitter, where you can actually see what everybody's drinking before each cast and play a little game where you try to guess what everybody's having and try to ignore the background because eventually you, you can just tell. <laughs> Unless we mm -hmm. start moving around in our apartments and hey, taking pictures this everywhere. Week, this week I did move. I, uh, a little spoiler, oh, okay. well, it's gone out already now. But yeah, I moved it to a different place and yeah. 
Awesome. So yeah, that, that that's it for us. If you want to support what we're doing, uh, you can support us on patreon.com slash everydayeternal, where you can, can become a patron of the show, help us run the production of all of this. And just like, for example, this week, we, we got a new patron on the Grizzle brand tier. That's our highest tier. And that's our good friend, Dukes. Dukes, I believe. I'm so bad with his name. I, I've, I've asked him like, I don't know, 20 times. I'm pretty sure it's Dukes. Yeah. And if you want to see him tri- uh, stream, he's the guy who runs greensunsunnet.com. Yeah. He's the guy who runs greensunsunnet.com. And you can also see him on Twitch TV slash Dukes on Twitch. Dukes, that's D-O-U-G-E-S on Twitch, one word. And he he joined us. He's gonna join our other, other Grizzle Brand tier supporters, which are Bachubat, Scott Monroe, Kurdish Alistair, and Jeremy Gates, as well as our Eternal Witness tier supporters, Matt Names, Valerio, James Slack, and Victor Bernanz. Of course, if you want to join the Discord on if you join the Patreon on any level, you get access to our everyday Eternal Discord. And that's uh, that's also otherwise, right? If you want to go to iTunes, if you want to leave a review on iTunes, I think we haven't had one in quite a while. Uh, <laughs> I hope nobody's going to come in and give us like a one-star review now. <laughs> it's like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, uh, maybe I should rate you. No, seriously, like if you want to do that, that helps us out quite a lot. So if people go for, I don't know, they look for legacy podcasts, they can find us there. But the most important thing, honestly, is really just like spread the word of... Uh, you like the podcast let your friends know drop a word every, here and then that, that that really like goes a long way to making this more popular other than maybe us trying to do good work like i guess Wait, <laughs> if you do better work I've then like they can't hurt <laughs> <laughs> yeah we should try we should actually try doing that maybe that's a better marketing concept put out a good product really <laughs> nah no, we, we keep talking about dragon and merfolk and, and stuff like that. <laughs> no. wait, wait, wait. Is that hey, these decks are good. Wait, that's, not, that's the good work. I thought we said we were not going to do that. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much. Thanks, Kyle, for coming on. And everybody, have a great time. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Goodbye, Bye. everyone. Ciao.